0: Disney Episode 16 Moana to Disney, a podcast for Disney fans. Welcome if you're new, welcome back if you have been listening. Uh, I am as always your host Christopher and before I get started on my discussion today, I do want to cover something really quickly. It's something that I don't think that I've taken the time to do on the podcast yet and I do want to make sure that I do that because it's something very important to me. Most podcasts that I listen to are Weekly. That really has not been the case with disney It's been a little bit sporadic. I always release new episodes on Wednesdays, and I announce new episodes on social media, but it has not been consistent. You know, this podcast has not been dropping every single week. And that's because, you know, I would really, really love to make podcasting a full-time career someday. That's how much I love doing it. But I'm not there yet. And... If I ever do get there someday, it's probably going to take some time, you know, so I'm not there yet, which means that unfortunately, this podcast, as much as I love doing it, and I truly do love doing it, it's a hobby, you know, it's something that I do, because I love doing it because I enjoy doing it, but it's not bringing in any money. So, you know, it does sometimes have to kind of go on the back burner while other priorities you know, take precedence. And that means that it's not always possible for me to release it every single week. So for those of you, especially since I also do co-host another podcast, which I think I've talked about on the show before, possibly the Fringe podcast rewatch. I co-host that podcast with my friend Daryl and we are rewatching my favorite show. I don't know if it's his favorite. I think Lost is actually his number one favorite, but Fringe is probably my favorite show of all time, and we are currently rewatching that and putting a discussion out on each episode every other week. So that also demands a lot of my time. So I get this podcast out as often as I can. I think on average, it's probably been every other week on average, you know? I know that there have been times where it's been more than two weeks, but... On average, I think it's been every other week. That's kind of what I've been going for. Uh, But the point that I want to make is that those of you who have been sticking around since the beginning and have been patient with this not necessarily being, you know, consistent and it being a bit sporadic, I appreciate you so, so, so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for being here. I love the fact that you clearly get something out of this and you keep coming back. So again, regular listeners, those of you who've been listening and have been patient with the sporadic schedule, I appreciate you so, so much. And I just wanted to take a minute to say that because again, I don't think I have before and I do think it's important that I thank everybody who's been listening. So I am talking about Moana today. Uh, I thought that this would be kind of an appropriate movie to talk about following The Little Mermaid because, like The Little Mermaid, this is also a movie about the sea. It's about a Disney princess that has a connection to the sea. And there are also a lot of other actual, like, more direct connections between The Little Mermaid and Moana, which I will talk about. Moana had its first screening, its premiere screening, on November 14th, 2016. The screenplay is written by Jared Bush, with the story by John Musker and Ron Clements, Chris Williams, Don Hall, Pamela Ribbon, and Aaron and Jordan Candel, And of course, directed by John Musker and Ron Clements. So those names might sound a little bit familiar to you. And if they do, that would be because... They are also the team, the group, the partnership, I guess. (laughs) It's two, so technically it's like a partnership or a duo, not a group. But they are also the partnership that wrote and directed The Little Mermaid, as well as Aladdin. So there's the first of several connections that I will get to between The Little Mermaid and Moana. We have Auli Cravalho as Moana. Dwayne Johnson as Maui, Rachel House as Tala, Tamoira Morrison as Toy. I think I'm saying his name right. That's Moana's father, Toy, T-U-I. Uh, Christopher Jackson as Toy's singing voice, Nicole Scherzinger as Sina, Alan Tudyk as Heihei, and Jemaine Clement as Tamatoa. And then for the music, we have The Score and Songs by Mark Mancina, and the songs done by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and of course, Mark Mancina as well, and Opetea Foy, if I'm saying that correctly. And then quick plot synopsis here for the movie. Uh, a young Polynesian girl named Moana is chosen by the ocean itself to restore the heart of the goddess tefiti which was stolen long ago by the demigod Maui. The heart's theft has led to a curse that threatens the island's prosperity. Despite her father's wishes for her to stay on the island, Moana embarks on a daring voyage to find Maui and convince him to return the heart. Along the way, she faces numerous challenges, encounters magical creatures, and learns about her ancestors' voyaging heritage. So, as always, before I get into talking about the movie itself and my favorite moments from it and observations that I had while watching it and all that fun stuff that I always do, I have some trivia for you. Uh, So these are just some fun facts about the movie. Obviously, this is not everything, because there's a lot. But, as always, I will link the IMDb trivia page and the Disney Wiki trivia page in the show notes in case you want to go check out more facts about the movie. I just picked out a few that I thought were especially cool. Now, whenever possible, I like to read the little passage about the movie that's in the magazine Disney Celebrates 100. I say whenever possible because, you know, that magazine does not include, uh, I don't think it includes live-action Disney movies. It does not include, I don't think, Pixar movies. It doesn't include sequels. Like, these are just, like, the main canon of animated Disney movies. And so, you know, the sequels and things like that are not included in there. Uh, But Moana is in there, of course. So this is what it says about Moana. Following in the footsteps of Mulan, Pocahontas, and Tiana, Disney expanded its diverse princess franchise with Moana, about an indomitable Polynesian girl chosen by the ocean to return a stolen relic to the goddess worshipped by her village. But when she confronts its thief, a shape-shifting demigod named Maui, the two forge an unlikely friendship that enriches both of their lives. In addition to its deep and inspiring story, Moana features songs written by Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda and was directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, the dream team behind The Little Mermaid and Aladdin. And then this is a quote that it provides from Clements. Creating Moana is one of the great thrills of our career. So I will say I'm a little bit disappointed by this one because, like, 80% 80% of it is just a plot summary like it doesn't really give any interesting facts you know like most of the passages like most of the little blurbs about the movies that I've covered on the podcast so far where I've taken the blurbs out of this magazine for uh you know offer some interesting trivia or some sort of uh you know behind the scenes making of fact or something you know and this doesn't really provide anything except to tell you that, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda did the songs and Ron Clements and John Musker directed it. But I mean, that's not really behind the scenes stuff. You can easily find that information anywhere. So a little bit disappointed with that one. But uh, directors John Musker and Ron Clements researched for months and immersed themselves in the Polynesian culture to make the film respectful to Polynesian culture and mythology. Many of the characters are Pacific Island language names or words. Moana means ocean and blue in both Hawaiian and Maori. I'm probably not saying that right. Uh Viana, the title of the Asian and most of the European releases means fresh water. Hey, Hey Moana's pet rooster means chicken Uh in Maori. Again, I'm probably not saying that right. <laughs> uh, Pua, Moana's pet pig, means offspring or flower, and may be short for Pua, it's P-U-A apostrophe A, meaning pig. Maui is the name of a Polynesian demigod and the second largest Hawaiian island. Tui, Moana's father, is the name of a bird native to New Zealand, home of Tamoira Morrison, who of course plays him. Tala, Moana's grandmother, who tells the legend of Maui. Tefiti and Taka at the beginning of the movie means story in Samoan and is the name of the goddess of the stars in Tagalog mythology. Tamatoa, the giant crab, means trophies in Marori. So this is really interesting because a lot of these do make perfect sense. Like Tamatoa, for example, meaning trophies. I mean, that's pretty much what he collects, right? He has like a giant horde of you know, trophies, things that he considers valuable or cool or shiny, (laughs) you know, so that makes perfect sense. Uh, Moana's grandmother's name, meaning story, makes perfect sense because she's the one that, you know, opens the movie up by telling the story, telling the background story, you know, and uh, just pretty much all of these make perfect sense. So that's really cool. Lin-Manuel Miranda has said that The Little Mermaid had inspired him to become a songwriter for films like this. Interestingly enough, both The Little Mermaid and Moana were directed by the celebrated duo directing team of John Musker and Ron Clements. In addition, like I said, there are several connections here. In addition, Miranda would go on to write the new songs featured in the 2023 live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. And... Auli'i Cavalio, who plays Moana, would go on to play Ariel in The Little Mermaid Live. It was a televised special that was on several years ago, similar to the Beauty and the Beast one. Here's yet another connection. Flounder from The Little Mermaid makes a cameo swimming with other fish in the song You're Welcome. Also in You're Welcome, Maui picks a coconut and rolls it down his arm and uses his elbow to flip it up to Moana, the same way Aladdin does with an apple for Jasmine in Aladdin. And then finally, the genie's lamp from Aladdin can be seen on Tomatoa's shell. And that really makes me wonder, I mean, it's probably just an Easter egg, because, you know, Clements and Musker also wrote and directed, you know, those movies, uh, Aladdin and The Little Mermaid, so it's probably nothing more than an Easter egg, but it does make me wonder if maybe, just maybe, We're supposed to see that as a sign that Moana and Aladdin take place in the same universe, because it would make sense that if this magic lamp really does exist, you know, that Tamatoa would hoard it, because that's what he does, right? He collects, you know, collectibles. (laughs) He collects things that he thinks are valuable, and so it would make sense that he would have a genie's lamp. And again, like I said, these all come from, most of them anyway, come from IMDb and Disney Wiki. There will be links in the show notes for you if you want to check out more. All right. Well, moving into my favorite part of the podcast, which is observations. Uh, This is when I actually get to discuss the movie itself. Um, (laughs) Moving into that, uh, Maui's intro is pretty cool. You know, I mean, I mentioned already that we kind of get this backstory at the very beginning from Moana's grandmother narrating what happened, you know, how Maui was a demigod that stole the heart of Defeati. And again, his intro is pretty cool here. And I like how the movie depicts gods, you know, at least in this little backstory, you know, narration that we're getting from Moana's grandmother, uh, kind of depicts gods as being selfish and, you know, just, taking what they want and having the power that they have because they've taken it. And I really like that depiction because eventually on the podcast, I do plan on talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. And I think that was another theme that I noticed in that movie was, you know, God's basically being selfish and not caring at all about the people that they're supposed to be looking over the people that they're supposed to be, you know, the gods of like, they don't care. (laughs) They're just, you know, and, you know, I mean, the people beneath them can just go F themselves, you know, like they don't care. And, you know, when I first saw Thor Love and Thunder, I kind of saw some interesting commentary there that I think was intended. (laughs) And I'm not saying that There's really meant to be that kind of deep commentary here in Moana, but I do like how, you know, this opening sequence here, if you want to call it a sequence, this opening narration, it doesn't really depict gods in a positive light, (laughs) you know? Uh, Again, Maui is depicted as a power-hungry thief here. And of course, later on, we'll get some backstory about Maui that will help us understand him better, but that's how he's being depicted here at first. And of course, spoiler alert, I think I've said this on the show before, but just in case I haven't, although again, I'm fairly certain I have, uh this is not a spoiler-free podcast. So if you are listening to a uh, you know, a an episode about a specific movie and you have not seen that movie but you would like to, come back and revisit this until after you've seen the movie. Rewatching this movie, I just have to say, is a lot of fun knowing now obviously the first time i saw the movie i didn't know this i can't remember if i pieced it together i can't remember if it was a surprise at the end or if i had seen it coming i can't remember but you know rewatching it and knowing for sure now that tiffani and taka are actually one and the same you know it just it's a lot of fun rewatching the movie and knowing that this is happening because Te is angry that her heart was stolen, you know, and it makes total sense, but more on that later. Moana's grandmother is one of my favorite characters in this movie. I love her so much. I love her relationship with Moana. I love how, uh, you know, eccentric she is and she owns it. She's confident in it. I love it. And I love how when she tells this story at the very beginning of, you know, darkness spreading across the world because Defeati is angry that her heart was stolen, uh, you know, she kind of tells it like a ghost story and wraps it up like a ghost story, you know, and she terrifies a couple of kids. And it's hilarious, but I love how like there are a couple of kids that are clearly terrified, like one faints, one screams and cries, but Moana's all excited. You know, she's sitting in the front, like clapping her hands and (laughs) it's just like really in this very small amount of time, we've gotten a pretty good idea of who Moana is. You know, I mean, and this is like as a she's a she's a small child here. She's a toddler. Obviously, most of the movie is set with her being. I'm not sure exactly how old she's supposed to be. I felt like probably like mid to late teens, early twenties at the most, but I'm not sure, but she's definitely not a little kid like she is at the very beginning here. Uh, but yeah, I just love how the grandma tells the story and the island is indeed beautiful. Like I kept thinking as I was watching this, I would love to live here. <laughs> this is paradise. It's gorgeous, you know? Uh but we know that that's not going to last if the heart isn't restored. So that's why this adventure, this journey needs to happen. Uh Toy Moana's father, he tells her, "You are the next great chief of our people." And I have to say, I have kind of mixed feelings about this because on one hand, it's pretty cool that these people don't seem to be too patriarchal. I mean, Moana is in line to be the next chief. That's pretty cool. However, on the other hand, you know, she of course should have the right to choose whether or not she wants to be a leader. You know, does she want to rule this Island and rules probably not even the right word because I don't get the sense that the chief is really much of a ruler. He's more of like a leader. Like, I would kind of liken what he does to what Aurora does in the Moors, in the Maleficent movies, especially the second one after she becomes queen. Uh, You know, it's a little bit similar to that. She's more like a leader, like a facilitator. And it's kind of the same thing here. Like, we don't really see him ruling with an iron fist unless you count, you know, the fact that he forbids Moana from going near the water and... You know, yeah, that is <laughs> that is kind of a... but But that's also different because that's his daughter, right? We don't really see him behave that way toward other villagers. So again, I would just say that he's really more of a leader than a ruler. And I do think that there's a difference. But again, as cool as it is that Moana gets to be chief as a female, you know, she should still have the right to choose whether or not she wants to do that. One of many reasons why, as... Game of Thrones has taught us <laughs> that uh you know leadership should not be chosen by blood. We then get the first song of the movie which is Where You Are. I love this song. I mean honestly, I love pretty much all of the songs in this movie. There's one that I feel is a little bit weak compared to the others. I'll get to that. But most of the music in this movie is just phenomenal and I love the line in Where You Are where uh Moana's father Toya you know he says uh the island gives us what we need and Moana responds with and no one leaves and I just love that because the way that she sings it there's like just a hint of sadness you know like regret that No one leaves because she clearly wants to, (laughs) you know, and I just, the way that it's saying, I think is just so wonderful because that's conveyed in the tone. And yeah, I mean, pretty early in the movie, we get, uh, Pua, I think I'm saying his name right, the little pig, uh, and I saw a meme recently. In fact, it's funny because I saw several Moana memes within the last few weeks, uh, almost as if the cosmos knew that I was going to be covering it on my podcast next. But <laughs> I saw a meme recently that said something along the lines of how, you know, they thought that Pua was going to be the main animal sidekick of the movie, but then we end up getting the stupid chicken hey hey. <laughs> and yeah, it does kind of set that up at first, that Pua is going to be the main animal sidekick and he's not. But it's really funny, though, when it's revealed why he's not. Right? Because Moana attempts to go into the water, going beyond the reef, and, you know, it doesn't work out very well. And Pua just has this terrified look on his face and is just like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm done. (laughs) So that's why he doesn't join her. So it would make sense that Heihei would because Heihei is stupid. He's incredibly dumb. So. If this is going to be a perilous, dangerous journey, he's not going to recognize that. So it makes sense. But uh, yeah, Pua is adorable, though. He's so cute. I am so heartbroken by the look on his poor little face when Moana eats a little bit of pork and she says, that's good pork, and he hears it (laughs) and he has that sad, heartbroken look on his face. But uh, I mentioned how Moana's father, you know, he's a little bit strict with Moana. Very strict, in fact, when it comes to her interest in the water. And I would say that he is incredibly, incredibly unreasonable at one point. Because, you know, she's practicing being chief, which is what he seems to want her to do. People are coming to her and saying things like, you know... We aren't able to fish anymore because there aren't any fish, you know, and we've tried different locations. We've tried different spots. Nothing. There aren't any fish. Right. And so she suggests fishing beyond the reef, which is 100 percent reasonable. Right. She's coming up with a potential solution to this problem, a very reasonable solution to this problem. And her father just completely goes haywire on her and, you know, basically says like, every time I think that you're done with this obsession with the water, you prove me wrong. And he walks away in frustration and anger. And it's just completely unreasonable. Like we end up finding out very shortly after that, why he doesn't want Moana in the water. And it is definitely an understandable reason but she's not saying, you know, and she even says this to her mother. Her mother comes and talks to her after the disagreement with her father to kind of comfort her. And, um, you know, it's even said then that I wasn't suggesting that I go beyond the reef because I want to go beyond the reef. I was suggesting it because we need food, <laughs> you know, like. She's doing exactly what her father wanted her to do. She's coming up with solutions to problems, which is what a leader does. And yet he gets angry with her. But like I said, we do then get some backstory about her father. Uh, Her mother tells her the story of how uh, Moana's father and his best friend tried to go out into the water one night and basically their boat just got toppled. You know, there was like a storm and Moana's father lost his best friend that day. He died. And so he has kind of been traumatized by that and doesn't want the same thing to happen to Moana. So that's why he's been insistent that she not leave the island and not go into the water. And, uh, you know, I can understand that. It definitely gives us kind of a tragic backstory for this character that helps us understand his motivations. But at the same time, it's like, again at least be a little bit softer with her about it, or maybe even tell her the truth about why it is that you don't want her in the water. Like, why even keep that from her? Communication is key. (laughs) You know, we really should be communicating with people. We then get Moana's song, How Far I'll Go, which is beautiful. It's such a phenomenal song. It's kind of Moana's I Want song, which I think I talked about that In the Little Mermaid episode, which would have been episode 14, I think I talked about how, uh, well, I didn't talk about it technically. I think it was from the Disney Celebrates 100 magazine blurb about the Little Mermaid, about how Part of Your World was basically Ariel's I Want song and was arguably Disney's first uh, version of it. You know, it's kind of the first time that Disney gave us one of these I want songs from a protagonist. And you could argue that we had seen it sooner than that, that even in Snow White, you know, she sings, someday my prince will come. Cinderella sings a dream is a wish your heart makes. Aurora sings once upon a dream. And you could argue that those are their versions of I want songs. But, you know, as far as like the quote, I want song that, we see in today's Disney movies, I do think that Part of Your World is kind of the Kickstarter for that. And Moana's version of Part of Your World is definitely How Far I'll Go, right? This is the song that shows us really who Moana is, what her motivations are, what her main conflict is, what she wants the most, you know, and it's just such a wonderful, phenomenal, beautiful song. And it's a song basically about her being misunderstood by her father, you know, feeling like she has this pull between wanting to be a good daughter, doing what he wants her to do, but also knowing in her heart that that's not what she truly wants. Right. And that's kind of one of Moana's major conflicts in this movie is figuring out who she is and what she wants. And that's one of the things that I think makes Moana such a powerful, memorable character. And I will, of course, get into more of that later, like what makes Moana such a great character. But another reason why I love this song is that even though she is specifically singing about wanting to explore the water, wanting to go out beyond the reef and explore the water, this song could really be an analogy for so many things, you know. And there are a lot of Disney songs that I think can do that, like Let It Go, for example, from Frozen. I mean... So many people can relate to that song. Even people who, (laughs) you know, don't have dangerous ice powers can still kind of relate to the theme of that song. And How Far I'll Go is similar in that way. And like I mentioned already, I love Moana's relationship with her grandmother. Uh, After that attempt to go beyond the reef, which fails, you know, I mentioned that already. Pua's like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm done. Uh, Her grandmother sees it. Her grandmother knows what happened. And Moana says, are you going to tell dad? And her grandmother says, I'm his mom. I don't have to tell him anything. (laughs) I love it. She's just so great. And then later, Moana asks her, why are you acting weird? You know, because Moana's grandmother is basically like a she kind of like is presented as like this stoner hippie. (laughs) you know, she just, she seems high all the time. She kind of is just like at one with nature, you know, like she dances in the water, you know, with her feet in the water and just, she's very much like a hippie and I just love her so much. And at one point she's doing that and says something to the effect of, you know, when I come back, she's like surrounded by these Manta rays, and she says, like, when I die someday, I want to come back as one of these, as one of these manta rays. Which I only mentioned because that is going to be important later on in the movie. But, you know, again, Moana asks her, why are you being so weird? And Grandma Tala replies, I'm the village crazy lady. That's my job. <laughs> I just love her so much because... What self-love and confidence, you know, to be like, yeah, I'm weird and I own it, you know, like, I just love that because it kind of suggests this possibility that maybe some people have kind of said some things behind her back. Like, you know, yeah, she's a little weird. She's a little eccentric. She's the village crazy lady, you know, and she's kind of just owned that and said, you know, darn right I am. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I absolutely just love this character so much. And I mentioned already how beautiful the island is. I mean, there are so many gorgeous, gorgeous, just visually captivating shots in this movie. And the water is so beautiful, especially. And I feel the need to point that out because I learned, I don't remember what episode it was, but I did learn from a podcast once. I think I've talked about this podcast on the show before. The Villain Was Right. And they have actually covered Moana, which I can link you to in the show notes. But uh, I don't think it was in that episode. It might have been. But I don't think it was in that episode that this came up. But I just remember the podcast is hosted by two Canadian comedians, Rebecca Reeds and Craig Faye. And I remember Rebecca saying on the show once that she took some sort of film or animating class in college or something like that and was taught that water tends to be one of the most difficult things to animate. And so with that being the case, I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous in this movie. Beautiful. So I have to tip my hat. We Know the Way is another phenomenal song. This is about when Moana discovers that her people were once explorers, that they were once navigators. They once traveled the ocean, right? And so she is just completely uh, taken aback by this and excited about it and tries to come up with this solution that let's go beyond the reef. That's what we're meant to do. You know, our ancestors were explorers, but... Of course, her father won't have it. He won't listen. So Moana just kind of like goes off on her own and decides to do it anyway because it's what needs to be done. The heart of Defeati needs to be restored or else they're going to eventually starve. (laughs) If not them, then their children. If not their children, then their children. There is definitely, you might even be Catching on to it already, or you've considered it yourself before. There's definitely a theme here in this movie that I will be touching upon. But anyway, I love We Know the Way, and I love how it's reprised at the very end. It's this wonderful, I don't want to say full circle moment, because I guess like chronologically speaking, it is, you know, but the movie doesn't open with We Know the Way. So it's not technically a full circle moment, but for Moana and her people, it is. And it's a very beautiful moment. But shortly after Moana begins her journey, she meets Maui, the demigod who, of course, stole the heart of Te Played brilliantly by Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he does such a great job here in this role, not only with his speaking acting, you know, like with uh, the way that he plays Maui's speaking voice, but His singing voice in You're Welcome is surprisingly really good. (laughs) Uh, I say surprisingly only because prior to Moana, I don't think that Dwayne Johnson had ever sang in anything. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think so. And he does a pretty good job here. You know, like I can't imagine anybody else doing this song and doing it in the unique way that he does. But this is probably my favorite song from the movie. I love, love, love this song. It is so catchy. It is so ridiculously catchy. What can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, the sky? Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. I'm just an ordinary demi-guy. I love this song. It's so catchy. I just love that melody. And like I said, nobody other than Dwayne Johnson, can do it justice, so I apologize for butchering it just now, but I love that melody, so I had to sing it. Now, one thing that's really interesting about this movie is that, and I think that that episode of The Villain was right that I talked about earlier, that I mentioned earlier, you know, um, when they they covered Moana, even talked about this. I feel like you would have to. (laughs) In the context of villainy and who the villain is of this movie and whether or not they were right, it is such an interesting discussion to be had because I would argue that this movie has several villains. You have arguably Moana's father, who is really harsh with Moana and strict, and like I said, kind of unreasonably so. Even after we get his backstory and learn why he doesn't want Moana in the water, you know, beyond the reef, and know that, well, it's because he loves Moana, he wants to keep her safe, he doesn't want to have happen to her what happened to his best friend, and that is 100% reasonable, maybe communicate. And I understand that that might be difficult because it's probably a very painful memory, but we need to be communicating with our kids, especially if... We want them to understand our positions on things. Like if we want them to understand where we're coming from, we want them to respect our uh, decisions and our guidance. I think that they need to understand where it's coming from. And he does not communicate with her. He doesn't tell her this. It ends up being, like I said, her mother that tells her this. But I would say that even though we get that backstory the way that he reacts to her suggesting that they fish beyond the reef is absolutely unreasonable. And I think that it is maybe villain is too strong of a word, but it's definitely antagonistic. Obviously we have Tamatoa. I'm not going to talk about him just yet because he's not in the movie yet, but Tamatoa is a villainous character that acts as an obstacle for Moana and Maui. But, I definitely, even though I have seen some people do so, I definitely would not consider him to be the main villain of the movie because he's in the movie for all of, like, 5-10 minutes. That's it. I might even be being too generous with that number. I mean, he's introduced, he sings Shiny, and then they get out of there, leave him on his back. That's it. He's not really the (laughs) villain of the movie. (laughs) If a character is only an obstacle for, like, a small, tiny side quest for, like, five minutes, they're not the main villain of the movie. So I don't consider Tomatoa to be the main villain, but he is a villain. He is a villain of the movie. He is an obstacle. He's an antagonistic force. Also, you have Taka, right? The lava monster. And they pretty much are the main villain of the movie, in fact, it's funny because, like I said, I rarely see Taka being cited as the main villain of the movie. I usually see people referring to Tamatoa in that role, even though the main conflict at the end is essentially Moana versus Taka. Like, Taka is the ultimate obstacle. They have to get past Taka in order to restore Tafiti's heart. So, Taka is definitely the main villain. Now, Tamatoa is just greedy and selfish and likes to collect things at any cost and apparently ate his grandmother and was going to eat Moana most likely, you know? Like, we don't see any redemptive quality to him at all. We don't see any goodness in him at all, really. Taka, I'm not going to get there just yet. I did mention it already, though. Taka we do see goodness in because we realize that it's just T'fiti. It's Tafiti really, really angry. And therefore, because she's basically just Mother Nature, she's like the goddess of this island, we don't see her as the villain. But I think we still should. Because I don't think that in order to be a villain in a movie you need to die a villain or be stopped, like arrested. And you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you can be redeemed and still be the main villain of the movie, the main villain of the story, you know? So I would still argue she's the primary villain, even though we come to completely understand why she's doing what she's doing. And we understand her anger. We get where she's coming from. And it ties into the theme that I've alluded to several times, even though that's the case. I mean, she is still spreading darkness around the world. She's, you know, but here's the thing. Is she doing that on purpose or is it just that she's basically dying? Because she is Mother Nature, right? We're supposed to think that, yeah, Tafiti is basically Mother Nature. She's been upset. That's why things are dying and that's why, you know, darkness is spreading. So is she doing this deliberately or is it just happening because she's dying? There's an interesting discussion to be had there, but either way, I'm getting to a point here, I promise. I know I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but either way, I think that we are meant to see her as an antagonistic force, you know, a villain that is fortunately, you know, uh, appeased (laughs) to the point where they are no longer a problem. But there is yet another villainous character in this movie. This is where I was going with this. And that is Maui. I definitely think that Maui starts off as 100% a villain in this movie. Why do I say that? Moana comes to him and explains to him the situation. You know, like, I need to restore the heart of Defeati to save my people, to save my island, to essentially save the world. And Maui's like, Nope, you're a mortal. I'm not going to go with a mortal on that journey. So, nope, not going to happen. And by the way, I am going to seal you up in a cave where you're more than likely going to starve to death. Okay, bye. This is not a hero <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. He nearly killed an innocent teenage girl. There was no way that he could have known that she had a way out of there like she was very resourceful and she found a way out of the cave and that's one of the things that makes Moana so memorable throughout the movie is that she's incredibly resourceful she knows how to solve problems and strategize and comes up with creative ways around problems and that's one of the many things that I love about her as a character but there's no way that Maui could have known that she would have been able to find a creative way out of there Like, he completely sealed her up in that cave, you know, covered the entrance with a rock, with a boulder, basically, that was going to be way too heavy for her to ever move. So, again, he seals her up in this cave feeling like, I mean, he had to have known that there's a good chance she's going to die in here. She's going to starve to death. So, 100% a villain at the beginning. It's just that he changes. He's redeemed. But I do love him, though. I mean, I do have a few issues with how he's written, which I'll get to eventually. But I love Maui. You know, he's so funny. He's hilarious. I love his sassy tattoos. You know, they kind of act as the Jiminy Cricket to his Pinocchio. You know, they're kind of like his conscious. And I just love his tattoos so much. Uh, I love the scene when... You know, Moana's trying to convince Maui, like, if you do this, you'll be a hero. If you join me on this journey and you restore the heart of Te you will finally be a hero. You're not now. People blame you for the darkness spreading. They see you as a villain. You stole the heart of Te You're a villain. If you want to be a hero again, you need to come with me and restore the heart of Te So it's funny because she's kind of manipulating him, but also not because none of that is wrong. That's 100% true. (laughs) And she's just using that to her advantage. Uh, But, you know, it's really funny though, because as she's telling him this, as she's trying to convince him, uh, the little people, you know, as part of this one particular tattoo are like coming together and you can tell by how they're moving, that they're like cheering Maui on, you know, and it's like, Maui, Maui, Maui. And, It sounds, because it doesn't sound, to me at least, anything like Moana. It doesn't sound like she's doing it. I thought, and I think we're supposed to think this, I thought that the tattoos were making that noise. And so I was like, wow, like, not only can they move and kind of like interact, you know, with body language, but they can also talk. (laughs) But then it's revealed that it's actually Moana doing that. (laughs) and it's so great because it's then paid off later in the movie like there's a scene later in the movie that kind of just you know pays you for that and it's just wonderful I love that scene I also really really appreciate how protective of Heihei Moana is I mean I think that's another aspect of her character that makes her so great in this movie is that you know, I think this is kind of meant to represent Moana being, you know, just a protector of the underdog, or I guess in this case, the under chicken, (laughs) you know, I mean, basically her mindset seems to be that I don't really care that this chicken is dumber than a bag of rocks. I'm his mom now. (laughs) She's like incredibly protective of him, you know, to the point where he lands himself in the water several times and doesn't seem to know to try to righten himself up so that he's not going to drown. And she has to get into the water and, you know, get him out of there. And she kind of freaks out when it happens, you know? So it's very clear that Hey, Hey is important to her and it's just kind of a nice aspect of her personality, you know, at the same time though. And again, this is just what makes her such a, wonderful character. At the same time, she is such an anti-Disney princess. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way toward Disney princesses, because I think I've made it pretty clear on this podcast already that even though those traditional, classic Disney princess movies like Snow White and Sleeping Beauty are problematic in some ways, I love them. (laughs) You know, like, I can appreciate them as art pieces and also understand that they're products of their time, but also, you know, enjoy them, you know, while also acknowledging that, yeah, that's a little problematic. That's not how we should do things today, you know, like same with Peter Pan, like that whole, you know, what makes the Red Man Red sequence is just so cringy, you know, like you almost have to like skip that when you watch it today. It's terrible, and that would never, ever, ever fly, no pun intended, in a movie today, you know? Some of these problematic elements of these older movies uh, are things that we can learn from, you know? Like, we can see that and learn that that's wrong, (laughs) you know? Like, let's not repeat that, you know? So, uh, I think that it can also be positive in some ways. So, anyway, another rabbit hole. The point I'm getting to is that there are admirable qualities about Snow White and about Aurora and about Cinderella, you know? And so anyway, again, I'm getting to a point here that's related to Moana. One of the things that I love about Moana is that she is so many things. And it's all valid and it's all beautiful and it's all what makes her such a wonderful character. You know, we see a nurturing side of her where she looks after, takes care of Hey, You know, she's very protective of him. She looks after him. She cares for him like a mother would. You know, she's nurturing. But she's also fiercely independent. She's a free thinker. She very, very much has a mind of her own. She's definitely a leader, not a follower. She holds her own in fights and battles. She stands up for herself. A perfect example of this, in fact, is uh, when they get to Lalotai. I think it said, uh, you know, the realm of monsters. This is where they're going to encounter Tamatoa. Maui calls Moana a chicken and then starts climbing the mountain without her, thinking that he's leaving her behind. But then once he nears the top, it's revealed that unbeknownst to him or to us for that matter, Moana has been climbing along and is even a little bit ahead of him. (laughs) So she proves more than once in this movie that she is not to be underestimated. You do not underestimate this woman. She will prove you wrong. She's incredibly resourceful. She is, in a lot of ways, such an anti-Disney princess. And again, like I said, I don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing. But there's some meta dialogue here where... Moana and Maui are having this conversation because Moana wants to learn how to sail. And Maui's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to learn, you know? And he says, it's called wayfinding princess because she calls it sailing, right? Like I want to learn how to sail. And he says, it's called wayfinding princess. It's not just sails and knots. It's seeing where you're going in your mind, knowing where you are by knowing where you've been. And I just want to say really quickly, even though it's off point, it's off topic. I love this line so much because on rewatches, you realize that that's kind of the theme of the movie. You know, like Maui kind of just dropped the theme of the movie there. (laughs) You know, understanding your roots, understanding your history in order to understand where you are presently so that you can better shape your future. That's the theme of this movie. One of them anyway. Like I said, there is more than one. There's another one that I've hinted at several times, but haven't directly said yet. Uh, But that's definitely one of the themes of the movie, and Maui just dropped it, so I love that. But anyway, Moana retorts, Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. And Maui replies, same difference. Moana says, no. And Maui says, if you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. (laughs) (laughs) I love this so much because it's so meta. Like in the last decade or so, I would even argue more like 15 years, we have seen Disney kind of self-referencing itself so many times and kind of poking fun at itself so many times, you know, and this is an example of that. This is Disney being meta, poking fun at itself. Enchanted has done it. Disenchanted has done it. In fact, Enchanted and Disenchanted are kind of the patron saints of self-referential Disney. Uh, But Frozen has done it. Tangled has done it. Moana is definitely doing it here. You know, this is Disney kind of poking fun at itself because it's understanding that it hasn't always been perfect and it's kind of owning that. I love that. Because like, and they're well aware of this. That's exactly why this dialogue is here. Because if you're a Disney fan, you know, don't lie. <laughs> you know that you've had conversations with friends about who qualifies as a Disney princess. You know why it is that characters like Meg and Esmeralda and Ilanwi, et etc., aren't Disney princesses, right? And it's like, well, Meg and Esmeralda aren't princesses. Okay, fair point, but neither is Pocahontas. And she's still a, quote, Disney princess. And Ilanwi from The Black Cauldron is literally a princess. She's literally a Disney princess, but she's not a Disney princess with a capital P. And then, you know, people might say, okay, Pocahontas, you're right, she's not a princess, but she is the daughter of a chief. So therefore she kind of still is the daughter of a leader or ruler, which is kind of the equivalent. So, you know, she's kind of a princess in a sense. Like, don't lie. You know, you've had that conversation with people before. If you are a Disney fan, Disney knows that it's well aware of that. And that is definitely 100% meant to be a reference to Pocahontas. I guarantee it because that was their way of saying, well, okay, Moana's saying I'm not a princess, I'm the daughter of a chief, and their way of saying, uh, because Moana is a Disney princess with a capital P, I'm pretty sure she's been officially accepted into the Disney princess canon. And as she says in the movie herself, she is not a princess. So Maui's response is kind of Disney talking to us as the audience. You know, it's this playful way of having a conversation with the audience. Because they know that we've had that conversation before that, well, Pocahontas is a Disney princess, but she's not a princess. Yeah, but she is the daughter of a chief. So that's kind of the equivalent, you know, (laughs) that's exactly what they're addressing here. And I love it. And it's also, like I was just saying, making fun of the fact that not all Disney princesses are actually princesses. But anyway, Moana is also deeply flawed. And I love that. I love that she has these relatable qualities that make her very human and not a, quote, Mary Sue, which is a very loaded term that I don't really like using. But I think it applies here as far as, like, the point that I'm trying to make. Because I think male characters can be Mary Sues as well. And that's why I don't like that terminology. It's kind of sexist. But uh, a Mary Sue is basically a character who doesn't seem to have any flaw. There's no character flaws, right? They're just perfect, right? They always know how to... I mean, they're so perfect that they're almost non-human. And I'm sure, as I'm saying this, you can think of examples. Disney has done it plenty of times. (laughs) But Moana is not that. She's definitely not that, you know? She's clumsy. She's incredibly physically uncoordinated and clumsy. She doesn't know how to sail at first. She fails several times on her journey. She also seems to be really confident, but you can tell that she internally struggles with a lot of self-doubt. She even, in a really, really great scene uh, with Maui, admits that out loud. She says... You want to tell me I don't know what I'm doing? I know I don't. I have no idea why the ocean chose me. So she acknowledges that, you know, I am flawed. I don't understand why I've been called to action here. I don't understand what makes me special. So, yeah, I mean, even though she is resourceful and intelligent and kind and caring. She's also flawed, and I just love that. It makes her such a relatable character. Anyway, I mentioned earlier how amazing the water looks, and it truly does look so beautiful. So much of the animation, as I've mentioned already, is just absolutely wonderful. And I mentioned already how they, uh, they show up at Lalotai. I think it's pronounced. Uh, again, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but uh, they, they reach the top of the entrance to Lalotai. And that scene there, that view of the water around them, it's so beautiful. It's magical. But anyway, Maui, you know, knows how to open up this entrance to the realm of monsters, you know. And he warns Moana that it's a very, very, very long fall, you know. And so he jumps in. And this is a really funny scene because... You know, like several seconds pass. It's quite a while, you know, it's a long while that you're sitting there as he's falling. Moana's up at the top looking down, you know, and there are several seconds that pass, and then you hear his voice, you know, kind of faded because by this point he's fallen quite a bit, saying, I am still falling. <laughs> Like I said, Maui is just, oh, he's so great. He's hilarious. I love him. I mean, yeah, just a great character. I also love the colors of Lalotai. Like, I mean, this realm, this place is truly a trippy, nightmarish acid trip. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like, I mean that in a good way. (laughs) Especially when Moana is running from all the different monsters I mean, there are all these neon blacklight esque colors and it's, it's something else. It's just a, it's, it's a trip. I love this scene. Uh, and so anyway, their plan is because the reason that they're, you know, they're here is Maui strongly suspects that Tamatoa has his hook. And he needs to get his hook back in order to get his magical abilities back. He can't shapeshift or anything like that without his hook. So he strongly suspects that because Tamatoa is like this trophy collector, you know, this uh, artifact collector, he probably has the hook, which he does. So they come up with this plan to distract Tamatoa while Maui gets his hook back. And this is really funny because Tamatoa, you know, he has Moana in his grasp and he says... Are you just trying to get me to talk about myself? Because if you are. And he seems really menacing, but then he's like, you know, perks up. He's all cheerful all of a sudden and says, I will gladly do so in song form. (laughs) Because of course, of course it would be in song form. I mean, Tamatoa is nothing if not extra. But then we get a song, Shiny, and this is the song I mentioned earlier how I like all of the songs in this movie, but there is one that I feel is especially weak compared to the others, and this is it. I don't hate Shiny, but, you know, if I'm likely, like, if I'm listening to the soundtrack and I'm likely to skip a track, it's going to be this one. It's just my least favorite one. I think it's much weaker. It doesn't have the emotional pull that a lot of the other songs do, you know, it doesn't have as grand of a scale. So, yeah, I just think it's the weakest one. But when they do manage to get his hook back from Tamatoa, he, Maui, that is, is experiencing some shape-shifting malfunctioning. You know, like, he tries shape-shifting into something, but he can't seem to control what he shape-shifts into. And so he keeps transforming into different animals. And at one point, he accidentally turns into a reindeer who looks exactly like Sven... frozen. So there's a little frozen Easter egg in there. It's hard to miss, but Maui is feeling very hopeless at this point because even though he has his hook back, like I said, he can't seem to control his shape-shifting abilities. So he sings a small part of your welcome, but this time he changes the lyrics to, hey, it's okay. It's okay. We're dead soon. (laughs) And this is when we get his backstory. And this was another situation where I saw a meme recently and it showed a picture like it was a screen cap of this scene where we get Maui's backstory and we get his backstory not only through, you know, his narration but also through the tattoos on his back kind of animating it, you know? And so this meme pointed out that this is Maui's backstory in more than one way. (laughs) Because we're literally seeing the story play out on his back. So probably an intentional pun there. But we find out that he was not born a demigod. He was born human. He had human parents who for some reason abandoned him. And after opening up to Moana and her giving him a pep talk, you know, she basically tells him that you know, the hook isn't what makes Maui Maui. Maui is what makes Maui Maui, you know? Uh, so she helps him see this inner confidence within himself, and now his powers work. So I guess his powers were on the fritz because he needed to believe in himself again. That would be my guess. And I also just want to mention as a side note how in this scene, Hey walks off the edge of the boat, <laughs> lands in the water, And the water, because up till this point, we've seen the water kind of behave in a sentient way, you know, like interact with Moana and stuff like that. And so the water picks up Heihei, puts him back on the boat, puts him in a little container, closes that container. It's a basket, I think. Puts him in a basket, closes the basket, then puts him in a hatch with a door on the boat, makes sure that that door is closed, you know, so basically puts the basket in that hatch, closes the hatch, and you can just tell by its movements that it's like, you know, it's it's had enough. Like, I am tired of this. Like, stay in there. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, even though Maui just had his confidence back and seems to now be building a friendship, an actual strong connection and friendship with Moana, his hook gets broken in their first encounter with Taka. So now he's back to being mean and antagonistic toward Moana again. He insists, without my hook, I am nothing. And then he leaves her. We do get a very, very touching scene from this, though. I really love this scene because Grandma shows back up. And sure enough, because I forgot to mention she has passed away by this point, when Moana goes on her journey, It's because her grandma is essentially sick and dying and presumably did die. And sure enough, she did, because here we find out that she has come back. And I mean, we do see her as like a humanoid spirit as well as her self, you know, like what she looked like when she was alive. But she first comes back as like this glowing manta ray. So she said she was going to come back as a manta ray. And she did. But it's such a beautiful, touching moment. She says, guess I chose the right tattoo because she has a manta ray tattoo on her. And their hug, it's just, oh, it's so precious and beautiful. And it's such a precious, beautiful thing what her grandmother did here. You know, she appeared because she knew that Moana needed to be reminded of who she is. And they sing a song together here. I am Moana, Song of the Ancestors. And... So good. This song is so, so good. And it's kind of like a moment of self actualization for Moana. And I would kind of liken it to Show Yourself from Frozen 2. So it kind of has a similar energy. And then, Hey Hey finally does something helpful. He catches the heart for Moana and returns it to her. Yay, Hey Hey. <laughs> he didn't end up being useless after all. I mean, what Moana is doing here, though, is so. Brave. I mean, Maui has abandoned her at this point. She still faces off against Takah to restore the heart to Te because she knows that that's what needs to be done. So she's doing something truly heroic here, and it's so brave. And that is, of course, another thing that makes Moana such an admirable character. But fortunately, Maui does come back. And Moana thanks him for coming back, and he replies in kind of like this... Winky way, if you will, you're welcome. <laughs> it's a nice reference to the song uh and you know, I mentioned earlier how this is a movie with a villain that I think is very sympathetic, and we kind of find out here this is where we find out that Taka and Tafiti are actually the same being. It's just that after her heart was stolen, she grew. Angry and kind of went out of control and became a monster. So, once we get this twist, this reveal here, I think that a theme becomes abundantly clear if it hadn't already been clear, which is definitely an environmentalist theme. Because, again, Tefiti can very easily be a shoe in, a stand in for Mother Nature. That's kind of what she's supposed to be in this movie, right? Mother Nature has been angered. She has been upset because something has been stolen from her that the person who stole it had no business stealing it. It wasn't theirs to take. But they stole it. That enraged Mother Nature, and she became this big, you know, lava monster. I mean, to me, the theme here of climate change and... Environmentalism is very obvious, very on the nose. I definitely think that that's one of the themes of the movie. That's one of the messages that we're supposed to take away from it. But I love this moment of you know Moana showing Taka kindness, giving her the heart back once she realizes that it's Tafiti. It's so beautiful, and honestly, this entire sequence is beautiful, both visually and thematically, and the music. Is So, so, so good. The score here is incredible. This is just such a wonderful scene. But Maui does show that he has developed, that he has changed, because he does apologize to Tafiti for taking the heart. And at first, it seems like she's, you know, not going to forgive him, you know, like you did something terrible, we're done. But she does actually end up smiling and gives him a new hook, because his hook did get broken. That's so adorable. But also, I mean, it's adorable, but also I can't help but wonder, did Maui truly learn the lesson that he was supposed to learn? You know, I feel like, I mean, he probably did, but I feel like it might have been driven home further if he had learned to accept who he was as a human without the magical abilities that the hook gave him. I mean... I think that's where his character arc probably should have ended because Moana even said earlier, it's not the hook that makes you special. You make you special, you know, but does he end up learning that lesson when he just gets the hook back anyway? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know, (laughs) but We see Moana end up putting a pink and yellow seashell on top of the layers of rock because earlier in the movie, her father shows her a spot where chiefs kind of leave their mark by raising the island higher, by putting a rock on top of a, uh, like a, um, a wall of rocks, you know, like a stack of rocks is what I'm trying to say. And she puts her mark, but instead of a stone, she puts a pink and yellow seashell and It's really nice because it represents something really cool. You know, she's forging her own path. She's going to be a different kind of leader. She's going to be a different kind of chief. Uh, You know, she's going to be a leader and not a follower. But also this was another situation where I saw a meme not too long ago that was referencing this movie. Uh, The next chief is going to have, the next several chiefs are going to have very difficult times uh, with continuing the stack because that seashell is going to make it very difficult <laughs> to balance anything else on top of it. You know what I mean? Like the rocks that were on that stack were basically like sheets of rock. They were long and flat. And then Moana puts a seashell on top of that. Like, what are people supposed to put on top of that now? <laughs> like I said before, absolutely beautiful ending here. We get, we know the way reprised in kind of sort of a full circle moment because now Moana's generation is exploring as well, connecting to their roots. Like I said, that's one of the themes of the movie. Uh, and, you know, I just, I, 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 I do really, there are a lot of things I appreciate about this movie for sure. And I especially really love that impactful ending. And then we get a bonus scene, a bonus post credit scene in which Tamatoa is still lying belly up, you know, face up on the floor, because that's how they left him, Moana and Maui. And he seems to be struggling to get right side up. And he makes a reference to Sebastian by saying something like, you know, I bet if I were a crab with a Jamaican accent named Sebastian, you would help me up, you know, something like that. And honestly, I don't find it funny at all. It's, Way too on the nose, you know? I mean, all uh, the, the joke there, there's one joke there. The punchline of that joke is that Tamatoa and Sebastian are both crabs. That's it. It's not funny. So, <laughs> but I did want to call attention to that because it is technically a part of the movie. So, yeah, that is Moana, and what do I think of Moana? What is my rating? I do really like this movie. I do. It's so visually and cinematically beautiful, and I'd probably even consider it a favorite, but honestly, the main reason I would say that is the music. The music is that good that this might be a favorite of mine solely because of the music. The songs are that good. But the story is a little messy to me, and I feel that that is especially true when it comes to Maui. I find him so hard to figure out as a character. You know, like, who is this guy? Because he and Moana start off as more enemies than friends, and he's really antagonistic toward her. I mean, like I said, he could have gotten her killed by trapping her in that cave. He tells her that he can't understand why the ocean chose an experienced child to deliver the heart. You know, like, he underestimates her repeatedly. Then that kind of does a sudden 180 when Moana finds out about his backstory and suddenly convinces him that the gods didn't make him special. The hook doesn't make him special. He does. You know, he then seems to change his mind about Moana at that point and expresses that, yeah, I can actually totally understand why the ocean chose you. You know, it makes perfect sense. You're the perfect person to unite the ocean and the land, something to that effect. He then, however, does yet another 180. And if you're keeping track of the math, that is now a full 360. (laughs) When his hook gets broken, because now he's suddenly back to, without my hook, I am nothing. And he's also back to telling Moana, the ocean chose wrong. So he's back to thinking, or at least saying, that she was not the right person to be chosen for this. Then, Midway through Moana's ultimate struggle, her ultimate battle with Taka, he suddenly changes his mind and comes back, and they're suddenly friends again. I mean, I am all for complex characters. I love complex characters, but I think that Maui might be just a little bit too complex. Now, don't get me wrong, like I've said already, I love him. He's such a fun character, but I also just repeatedly throughout the movie... And feeling like I can't figure this character and his true motivations out. So that does kind of drop my rating a little bit, you know? Uh I absolutely adore the animation and the music, like I said, and I also do love most of the characters, but I don't love how Maui has written. So I'm going to settle on a solid 7.5 on this one. Um, Like I said, that That inconsistency and that back and forth just drops it down a little bit for me, but I do still really enjoy it as a movie. I do. Like I said, the music alone makes it a favorite. But I will also say, and this isn't related to my rating at all, it's just a side note, those of you listening have probably already heard the news, but a live-action remake is apparently in development right now, and I will see it, but why? Why are you doing that Disney? That is 100% unnecessary. I can't see a single, single reason for that being needed right now. Like I appreciate the, you know, the, uh, Aladdin. I mean, I didn't really like Aladdin. I, I mean, I love the animated movie. It's, (laughs) it's a beloved movie, but the live action version, I didn't really care for, to be honest. The only one that I've really, 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 really loved, like it's a favorite of mine, is Beauty and the Beast. I love, 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 love that live action version. It's so perfect. Most of them, however, have, I think, been rather underwhelming. With that being said, it is still kind of cool to get that opportunity to see a beloved classic from your childhood or even farther back be interpreted in a new way. That's really exciting. It's really cool. And those live action remakes were essentially made for us, I think, the generation of people that grew up with those movies and are now getting to see them in a different way. But a Moana remake, seven or eight years after the first one came out, I don't know exactly when it's going to come out, Probably 2024 or 2025, I would imagine. So like, why are we making, why are we redoing an animated movie that hasn't even been out for 10 years? It's so unnecessary, right? That's completely unnecessary. I don't know why Disney is remaking every single animated movie. It seems there are some that I would be so here for, like for example, If The Black Cauldron was done right, that could be amazing. That could truly be an incredible movie. And I would actually also love a live-action adaptation of Sleeping Beauty that is more faithful to Sleeping Beauty than the Maleficent movies are. Now, don't get me wrong. I've talked about both Maleficent movies on the podcast. I love them. I'm not knocking them. But it would be so much fun to see a live-action rendition of Sleeping Beauty that is actually a live-action rendition of Sleeping Beauty. So there are some that I would love to see, but for the most part, like I said, first of all, most of them have been underwhelming. And second of all, we definitely do not need to be remaking animated movies that haven't even been out for a decade. It's too soon. It's unnecessary. Anyway, off my soapbox and rant. (laughs) So I did get a little bit of feedback this week. Uh, Jess shares her opinion on her favorite scene. And she says that her favorite part of the movie is, quote, the part where Moana feels the warm water when learning to sail. Laughing emoji. And yeah, I didn't talk about that scene, but uh, it is very funny. Uh, Maui, he's teaching Moana to sail, and he comes up with this, uh, this rule, I guess, or, you know, just this lesson to teach Moana. He says, if you feel the temperature of the water, You'll know that you're going in the right way if the water's getting warmer. If it's getting colder, you're going in the wrong way. I think that's what it is. It could be the other way around. But I think it's it's that it's warmer if you're going the right way. Pretty sure that's it. So anyway, she sticks her hand in the water. Maui at this point is lying like face down on the raft because the ocean has shot him with a blow dart, which seems to have paralyzed him. So he's lying face down on the raft. And again, he says, you know, feel the water. If it's warmer, you're going in the right direction. If it's colder, you're going in the wrong way. And so she puts her hand in the water and gets excited because she says, oh, it's getting warmer. And then Maui has this like look of perverse satisfaction on his face And Moana realizes at that point that it's feeling warmer because Maui has peed in the water. And, you know, she's like, oh, that's disgusting, because she realizes it. So, yeah, I didn't talk about that, but it is definitely a funny scene. So if, like Jess, you would like to contribute and be a part of the podcast and join the conversation somehow, share your thoughts on one of your favorite Disney movies, please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at DisneyPodcast at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash disneyish podcast. You can follow the Instagram page, which is disneyish podcast. And you're also welcome to follow my personal Instagram profile, which is at the lost passenger. So please be sure to also subscribe wherever it is that you're listening, because that way you'll never miss a new episode. Like I said at the top of the show, I know that the release schedule has been a little bit sporadic, but whenever episodes do come out, they're always on Wednesdays, and if you are subscribed, you will know when a new one is out. And also be sure to follow me on social media, because again, that's where I make announcements. So I do want to uh, let you know what's coming up next on the podcast. I am going to be covering one of my all-time favorite movies I mean I think that this might be in my top five it's possibly in my top five favorite movies of all time if not top five definitely 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 undoubtedly top 10 and to me spooky season starts in September the entire month of September is Halloween Eve I don't make the rules that's just the way it is so, that means that the podcast is getting into spooky territory and next up on the podcast is The Nightmare Before Christmas. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. So, until then though, this has been Disney reminding you to consider the coconut.